Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hello, Heather Knight. Good to see you, and congratulations on your solo show last week. (laughs) I could have used your help, but it turned out okay. Well, you know, I learned a couple of things listening to it, because I listened to the show as a fan, which was fun. (laughs) Um, You're much more focused than me. I think 97% of the weird Total SF tangents are my fault. No, they're good. I like the tangents. I just am more of a cut-to-the-chase type person. I enjoyed it. It was much more uh, NPR, a little more professional. (laughs) So we'll have to have you back solo. Um, I also found that it's weird after 199 episodes not being on the show and listening as a fan. Um, I was totally sober, a little jet lagged, and I kept jumping in and trying to talk, (laughs) especially on the skateboarding stuff. This is with Michael Lambert, the librarian. It's a great episode. Go back and listen to it. But he's talking about Tommy Guerrero. And I started like, oh, Tommy Guerrero was. So it's the ultimate man thing. I'm like cutting you off on the podcast, (laughs) even when I'm 2000 miles away. Yeah, I can't believe you missed number 200. I didn't realize it was number 200 until you tweeted that. Yeah, well, I I took the day off on number 200. Um, But we're back together now. This is our Total SF Behaving Badly episode. Our guest is Stanley Roberts, CEO of Mr. Badly Productions, long time, uh, used to be on KRON as the People Behaving Badly host, and currently seeming totally out of place in Arizona. Yeah, it was good to see him if it was only on Zoom. Hopefully when he visits next time, we can see him in person. But um, he is really missing San Francisco and the Bay Area and really trying to get back. So um, let's hope that he can make that happen because we need him. There are a lot of people here behaving badly. (laughs) Yes, there are. Yeah, I think that he is is a great journalist and just an all-around fun guy and the Bay Area needs him back. Yeah, definitely an icon. Um, We talk about a lot of things. We talk about politics. We talk about Foster City, get on a nice detour into Foster City, um, how he got started with people behaving badly. And there's a really good lightning round at the end, the Circle Star Theater's involved, which always makes my day. Yes, you're happy as long as we mention the Circle Star Theater in every episode. All 200 of them. 201 now. 201. We will have a Circle Star Theater episode, maybe when you're taking vacation. (laughs) Stanley Roberts coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Stanley Roberts, welcome to the podcast. And thank you for inviting me. It's a lovely 70 degrees here in San Francisco. How are things in Phoenix? Let's just say it's pretty darn hot. (laughs) (laughs) Is it breaking 100? It's, you know, yesterday it was 79 degrees because it rained and I love the monsoons. It could drop it down to the 70s, which is beautiful weather. But as soon as it goes away, poof, goes back up again. And it's only between May and October that we get the the hot weather. Yeah. Well, San Francisco really misses you, and from what you've been tweeting about, it sounds like you really miss San Francisco. i tell you what I miss the most. So, I miss the ocean. Every time I go there, I drive to, try to drive to Half Moon Bay and at least walk over there by Pillar Point. I miss uh, 
House of Prime Rib, which was closed for the pandemic. I miss uh, all the great food shops out there. And But I miss most is just the people that, that I've run across, I've always talked to, have great stories. And I think just walking down the block, I can get 100 behaving badly stories just from random <laughs> people walking down the street in the Bay Area. Yeah, San Francisco has a lot of people behaving badly. <laughs> you know, I've, I've watched you for years, and I'm dying to get your origin story. Is there some people behaving badly moment as a kid? Were you behaving badly? Did you see people <laughs> behaving badly? I always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to write a book called My Whole Life Revolved Around People Behaving Badly because it literally has. I mean, from being robbed by a member from the church at knife point as a kid, uh, from being uh, beat up in high school, in elementary school on a regular basis. And I lived in a very... Uh, um, my home wasn't the, the best home in the world to live in. Uh, I lived in the shelter of three of those years. So basically, I grew up in a very uh, uh, interesting environment where I experienced so much going on. And you learn from those experiences. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Philadelphia, Temple University Hospital. But I grew up in Camden, which was listed the most dangerous city in the country 10 years in a row. And I moved out and it got better. <laughs> so you were the problem? I guess. <laughs> when when did you get to the Bay Area and um, what was it like the first time you came? Did you did you fall for it when you got here? Well, ironically, I flew into SFO back in the early, uh, late 80s. My uncle, uh, uh, Ralph Roberts, picked me up from the airport. He lived in Salinas. He was a uh, sheriff deputy uh, at the, at the uh, he was a sergeant for Monterey County Sheriff's Department. And this is the first time leaving Camden, Philadelphia, and you get out here and there's like mountains everywhere. There's nobody wearing helmets back then when they're riding motorcycles. It was a weird environment for me, especially when you see the mountains everywhere. and You get to learn that life is more than just Camden and streets and, and the violence that came up with it. Did you always want to be on TV? No. Actually, the segment itself wasn't... Uh, the original idea of people behaving badly wasn't even supposed to be me showing my face. Supposed to be some random guy walking around looking at all the problems and 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 talking about it. And then everybody wonder who is this guy. Then one day I show up and there's my face plastered on TV with a uh, crime scene tape across me saying uh, people behaving badly with Stanley Roberts. And I was like, okay, that wasn't what I wanted, but all right, it is what it is. Huh. So if you look at my original pieces, you won't see me showing up on camera. It wasn't until the last couple of years that... You know, what do you call it? Consultants recommended that I show my face more. And look where that got me. <laughs> <laughs> was there a point that you knew that it was going to be a hit? Was it a hit right away? Did it build? Well, the first piece I did, the phones rang off the hook. But they weren't saying, oh, my God, this is the best they ever saw since Swiss cheese. They were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> you know, is this all you guys got? Because my first pieces were very monotone. They were very like, uh, and this is a guy urinating in public. And because I wasn't built for TV, I was always the behind the scenes guy. And so when when my old station decided to make it a VJ format, they moved me over to a VJ, which is video journalist. Now, keep in mind, I was moved over with nothing, no fanfare. It was just, and I wanted to change my name to Mr. Roger, Mr. Roberts, but they told me no. <laughs> So I had no I had no idea that this was going to be such a big event until the day that it ended up on Jimmy Kimmel. You were on Jimmy Kimmel? 
I personally wasn't, but they called the guy Elmo Shirt Guy was. Oh, yeah. And that was the guy in the BMW who was calling me all kind of names, including 1-800-CHUBBY-BUTT. <laughs> and I, I literally posted a video raw on social media, and, and which is my YouTube account. I created a YouTube account just, just to post stuff. I posted for free. There was never I worked on my off hours just to post on YouTube so people could see it other than just local news channel. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call and somebody goes, bruh, you're on Jimmy Kimmel. And I go, what? And they sent me a link to it. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> so that was when things started to gain a little steam. Wow. Were, were you a, uh, did you have any on-air experience at all? Were you working behind the scenes? Because I, I think the secret, one of the secrets is you don't have like the, I'm a newsman voice. Your voice is a little bit weary, like all of us watching <laughs> these people behaving <laughs> badly. There, there's something about it that's kind of like, it happened again. <laughs> you know? I don't know where my voice came from. As I said before, when I first started, it was very monotone. Yeah. It was like, what, you know, I could play one back and it was like, is that me? And then one morning it just clicked. And it's the way I wrote my scripts. I wrote them in two paragraphs, you know, two line paragraphs. And that's how I read it from the two line paragraphs. And I had no idea that it was, you know, I mean, what you hear from me is being me being myself. Every piece you've ever seen is my thoughts, my ideas, my vision. Uh, but also keeping with the journalism of not being picking aside, just saying, "Look what you have here." Mm-hmm. What what makes a good uh, segment, and are there certain things that you like, certain things that you avoid? Well, I learned from one of my one of my uh, or two of my uh, idols in news was uh, Vic Lee and Greg Lyons, and I was in love with Greg Lyons' storytelling ability. This man could tell a story. That would just make you go, oh, my goodness, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And I always wanted to be like Greg Lyon. I always wanted to write to his style. But he writes to the, the video. So I learned to write to the video. And every photographer in the world will tell you this. They think that when they're in the car with a reporter, that they can do better than a reporter by a long shot. And so, and, and, and no matter where you go, to go, I can't believe they actually want to on air. I can do better than that. I never thought that way. But I thought, oh, my goodness, this is great. I'm going to learn from these people. You know, the Linda Yees, the, the, the Big Lees, the Greg Lyons. Uh, these were the people that made me listen to the story and want to hear more about it. You know, I, I didn't know Greg. Um, Vic Lee is an absolute legend for those of us who worked. I worked in the courtrooms very briefly in San Francisco and Heather's in City Hall. And I mean, uh, I, I think he, Heather, he just retire. Yeah, def- uh, I ran into him recently, I think in the customs line at the airport, and I was like, oh my God, it's Nick Lee. He's so famous. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, a very about- nurturing person, like he would help you. He was someone who, when you arrived, you knew you had a little instant mentor there. So, I- I'll tell you two good stories about Vic Lee. First one is that him and I were the first ones to break the, uh, the, um, the what's the baseball player with the steroids? The Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. In Burlingame. We were together on that story. We first went to the address in Burlingame. So that's where we have a little bit of history. Also, I shared his old desk at the old Cron building in 1001 Van Ness. So I got some of his mojo. But <laughs> I think the funniest part of Vic Lee is, and most people don't know this, is that Vic Lee is a prankster. So I'm at the Costco in Foster City and I'm buying food. And I'm, you know how you look in your cart and you go, 
I didn't buy this. So you take it out and you put it back on the shelf. I'm like, well, I don't know where this came from. And so I'm still shopping. And all of a sudden, it's like, there's something else in my cart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? I didn't buy this either. He's in the background laughing up a storm because he's putting <laughs> stuff in my cart <laughs> while I'm shopping. So he sneak up, put something in it, and walk away. And he just sitting there laughing. And I'm like, <sighs> So we hugged each other, and that was fun. That was fun. Aww, that's a good one. Yeah, he's, and we talked to him the other day. He's a good guy. I really, I really, really like that guy. I miss him a lot. Yeah. Um, well, what, what makes a good segment? What's the perfect, uh, people behaving badly segment for you? And, and I guess the compound is what doesn't make a good segment? What do you not like? Here's an example of a, in my opinion, a good segment, something good coming out of something. Uh, my idea of a good segment is taking something that is bad and people learn from it. And sometimes though, you learn from it too. For instance, when I was doing the illegal dumping in Oakland, which I kind of told the city that if you don't start getting control of this is going to get out of hand. And you see where it is now. But remember the story of the uh, Carlos Santana's band member where he was digging through the garbage and I approached him and asked him what's going on. So I never talk to people when I'm out doing a story because, you know, you know, unless you want to interview them, you, you don't want to get involved in something that you don't want to get involved in. So I just kind of asked him about the garbage and what he found. And when he told me he found the drumsticks, I mean, not the drumsticks, the money, and he brought it to buy instruments. That's when, you know, my uh, curiosity was piqued. And I'm like, for what? You know, you're thinking you're a homeless guy. Why would you need instruments? This is my mind thinking, not, you know, at the spur of the moment. And he mentions, you know, the, the Santana Blues Band. And, of course, I've only heard of Carlos Santana. I've never heard of the word blues band. But... I decided to put him in the story, which is against our normal guidelines. The story has to stick to, to what we're doing. So imagine putting it in the story and it turning out as big as it was. What, what do you not like? And, and I, I'm going to, you know, throw out my concerns, which is like, I never want to see, you know, maybe conservative news media taking what you're doing and using it against San Francisco. And I'm wondering if you think about that, if you're concerned about that, not, not just like how the city looks, but also you know, some people who are robbing things, there's complicated reasons for that. Does that go through your head at all? Or are you not thinking about well, that? Well, remember, I posted, I don't know if you remember or not, but a couple of weeks ago, I posted a poll. And I wanted to get the feel of everybody. And the poll was very simple. Are you experiencing the problem in San Francisco strictly because of social media? Is it because you were personally attacked? Or was it because both? And I think 25 to 28% said social media which is a huge amount if you think about it. But the amount of people that voted was somewhere around, I don't know, a couple hundred people. But what I do is I, I look at that as a as a, uh, a litmus test. So if it's just 100 people, then you multiply that times X amount. So you know that a lot of stuff that's out there is social media driven. Um, and, and we want to take that part and move it aside. And we want to focus on the people who've actually been victims. And we also want to, and I've talked to not only um, I've talked to law enforcement about the issues. I've talked to regular citizens. I'm looking as a whole to find out what's really going on because I'm on the outside looking in. And if you're on the outside looking in, you notice that there's a lot going on, and you would think that everything in San Francisco is terrible. But then I talked to people who said they've never experienced a problem, and I've been there for 20 years. In my 20 years, I've never had an auto break in in San Francisco proper. You know, and I've had things in my car. Yeah. It's just that you know you. You, you're aware of your surroundings, as in Camden, in Philadelphia, in L.A., you have to be aware of your surroundings. And you can't do stupid things no matter where you are. And when I say stupid things, and we're not blaming the victim, but you can't leave a laptop in your front seat 
You can't leave um, things that, and that's what I try to educate people about. If you go to Golden Gate Bridge right now on the lookout, you'll see signs to tell people that there's a problem. I'm solely responsible, not solely, but me doing segments about how we need to put signs there was the reason why there are signs there. Because the important part is to educate people and not to scare them. And social media tends to scare because it doesn't give the full story. It gives a snippet of the story. And if you allow me to give you one example, I'll explain to you. Like, remember the the uh, the people that ran out of Neiman Marcus with all the bags? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing people said on social media was, oh, my God, there's a cop standing right there, and he did nothing but videotape. And that ran viral. Everybody thought the San Francisco police did not care because there was a cop standing there who did nothing. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at it, I saw a security guard standing there with a camera. And they go, well, how do you know the difference? Well, because every single San Francisco police officer has a patch that says San Francisco police. They don't have just plain black jackets. So that guy in the uniform was actually a security guard who worked at a store across the street and not a police officer. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the idea that cops don't care is not right because they are. But when you take one snippet and you change it to meet the narrative that you want, it changes everything. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So why did you originally leave um, for Arizona, and what happened with the job that you took there? Well, the reason why I left is very simple. I had been asking over and over again that I be, um, that they, you know, can I get a little bit extra money because the cost of living in, in here is, is exorbitant. And I had union dues, which is a lot, health care, which is a lot. Uh, and then the cost of living in the Bay was about, even a two-bedroom apartment for me and my daughter would have run 60 grand a year, wow. without, without doubt. So imagine 60 grand plus union dues, plus healthcare, you know, plus everything else that goes with it, groceries, transportation, that stuff gets expensive. So they told me to move to Tracy and commute, which in my opinion would have been a, um, how do you say it, would have been a quality of life issue. Because you know, the, I think it's a 680 or a 580 mm-hmm. that goes into Tracy is back sometimes for hours. Yeah, you'd be in your car for hours a day. Yeah, so hours a day. And, and so, something to be said for knowing the city that you're covering too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's important to know where you live. Yeah. So um, my so my my deal was to move into a, a rented apartment, uh, not an apartment. I rented a room from uh, who tried to be a, a good guy, and I stayed there, low key. And um, I had been. I finally got an, a, 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 a. I finally got a agent. I said, "Look, I can't continue to live like this." And so they were going to look out and see if they could find something. But then I get a phone call from a friend of mine, an old employee I used to work with, Joe Ducey. Remember Joe Ducey? He used to be at Channel 4, uh, Contact 4, Joe on your side or whatever it was at that point. <laughs> he said, hey, you ever thought about coming to Arizona? I said, not really, but what do you have? He said, well, there may be something out here. Why don't you look into it? So I called my agent and said, hey, look in Arizona. What do you have? She called me back five minutes later and says, oh, my God, there's a guy leaving at AZ Family, and the news director wants to interview you. I wasn't thinking about Arizona, but 
I needed to feed my family. I needed to make sure I can afford to live. So long story short, I ended up in um, Arizona because they, they, they trademarked the name and told me, well, I guess we own the name now, so I guess you can't leave. And my response was, well, the name doesn't define me. It's the work I do. Um, I took the job in Arizona. Now, you ask the question, what happened in Arizona? Well, COVID hit. And a lot of TV stations were losing money hand over fist because of advertising dollars and people not doing this. Mm -hmm. So when they started laying off, I was one of the first ones to go. But I got to keep the name. Uh, people, I'm caught misbehaving, and I got to keep the Bitmoji. But there was a caveat to that. I could not compete against them in Arizona. And what have been the pluses and minuses of life in Phoenix? The pluses when I got here was that the rent was definitely much lower. Uh, and you would think that everything is lower here, but in actuality, there's maybe a five cent difference in like Starbucks. Okay. Uh, there wasn't a huge difference in prices for food. Uh, milk is cheaper for some reason because they have a lot of dairy farms out here. But overall, pretty much everything was the same except for rent, which made it better. Car insurance is higher because there are a lot of bad drivers out here and a lot of crashes. So there's an offset between the two of them. Wow. And, and, and we have a lot of wrong-way drivers. They've gotten better, but it used to be when I got here, it was just every morning you wake up and somebody was driving the wrong way down the freeway. One lady drives on Highway 17. You ready for this? I think she drove something like 30 miles the wrong way. Mm. Wow. How do you drive 30 miles the wrong way and not realize that you made a mistake? That's like, that's like San Francisco to, what, Redwood City? <laughs> and yeah. not know More. you. More. That's like San Jose to San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, you you uh, you want to come back, and uh, uh, I wanted to check on that. Like, it, so many people are leaving the Bay Area, and well, everything started in the Bay. I think the Bay Area has been ground zero for me from the you know my TV career. When I say on camera, or at least doing stories, uh, my family's still there. All my friends are still there. Every time I come back, someone calls me and says, "Can we go have lunch? Can we go have dinner?" Um, uh, it's really fun to walk. To the, down the street and people go, Stanley Roberts. It's it's kind of cool. It's also, um, like I said before, uh, you can't, how can you not like drive down Highway 1, you know, and enjoy the coast? And Redwood City, there's an area I like way back. It's way back in the cuts behind the South Flats. There's a park back there with a, a little mini amphitheater. You sit there in your chair and take a nap, and it's, it's fun. That's why I love, you know, that whole area. And I love following you on Twitter, and there's been some fans there urging you to run for supervisor in San Francisco. So is that something you'd ever consider, running for political office? Ironically, I ran for office in Foster City. I ran for city council a long time ago with a free position. I wanted to do it because I wanted to make changes in the city and, and, and Foster City at the time. And, of course, I loved it because my phone started ringing. It was people calling up and hanging up and going, uh, carpetbagger, click. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like, People like, have a, a lot of names I mean, for you. Hold on a second. Foster City, <laughs> like we have photos in our archive. They dragged a bunch of sand out there and built that city like, I mean, what, 60 years yeah. ago? There's no, the there's no eighth generation Foster City people. <laughs> I, I don't support that. Anybody calling you, you send them my way. I, I have no. The, the, the funny part about Foster City is people I talk to say, you know, that was built on landfill. And I have to explain to them, actually, it was built on crushed seashells <laughs> wow. and not that and not and not landfill which you know what was built on landfill the marina district yeah yeah they used the debris from the 1906 earthquake 
to fill up that whole area and make it land. And then when the when the ninety was it my first earthquake, what was it? The eighty nine. Eighty nine earthquake, Lone Prieta, all the soot came up from the nineteen oh six quake. I'm just yeah. saying there's no Victorian houses in Foster City. I lived on the <laughs> peninsula. So anybody saying anybody's a carpet bagger is out of line. <laughs> well, it, I mean, imagine you get the phone call, then you're a carpetbagger, so there it is. Yeah. And and so Sorry. Ripley so, does not like the carpet bagger line either. I know, I love that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, go no, ahead. No it happens every podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. You know, my dog would bark too, but I don't have a dog. Yeah, my do- my dog's <laughs> behaving badly. My dog doesn't know who I have a podcast with. Believe me, she would be more respectful. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So, um, would you ever run for a political office in San Francisco? Well, I've learned that if I give away secrets, then people start looking for dirt. So, let's just say. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, San Francisco needs some fresh... It looks like they need some fresh blood out there, though. Oh, they yes. really seriously do. You there could find s- a lot of people behaving badly at City Hall. <laughs> and sometimes it's better to look on the, be on the outside looking in and see what the problem is than to be on the inside, and then all of a sudden you become, uh, I don't know, carpetbagger. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, before we get to our lightning round, closing on a positive note, uh, how much did moving make you appreciate the Bay Area? And, and kind of what are the things that the Bay Area does right? Well, when I first got here, what made me appreciate the Bay was when I was looking for a beach. And of course, this is landlocked. And I'm looking online and I see Tempe Town Lake Beach. And I'm like, let's go. So we jump in the car and we shoot out to Tempe Town Lake. And it was like 112 degrees. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And why is it so darn hot? And this was like the first week of being there. So I appreciate the, uh, the fog. So I don't think Carl the Fog ever liked me because I tried to get him to follow me on Twitter and he never would. Um, well, he but, ditched the Bay Area anyway. He doesn't. Oh, he did. He now we have else. Carla the Fog. It's a woman. <laughs> Remember Foster City used to, not Foster City, Pacifica used to be Fog City. Yeah. Remember they even had a Fog Festival. Yeah. And now they barely have Fog. Yeah. Yeah. So I miss the Fog, although we get it, but it's like high Fog here. Um, I miss... The drives of the coast, which you can't get out here. There's no coastline out here. Ironically, though, Arizona has more beaches than California combined. Wow. But we have no, yeah, but we have no oceanfront. I did a research on that. I was surprised. Huh. Um, I miss the food from the Bay Area. The burritos, I have not found a burrito out here that I like yet. And ironically, there was a story out the other day about me and I've been getting emails from burrito places in the Bay and in, in, in Arizona telling me to try their place out. Like, <laughs> but I've been disappointed so many times. Let me know uh, if you find it. I, I go to spring training every year and uh, with some college buddies, and I've been doing this for twenty years. And I am shocked at how bad the Mexican food is there. I'm half Mexican. Well, a, I thought like I'm closer to Mexico than I am here in the Bay Area, but no. Yeah, isn't it crazy how you would think? And I, at first, when I got one, it had lettuce on it. I'm like, why is there lettuce on my burrito? That's <laughs> that's like a that is a like, sin. That's a sin. That's like, what kind of witchcraft is this? You could do a Mr. Badly segment just on, on lettuce and burritos. That would oh, be. I, I would watch like, the hell out of that and share it with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually segues perfectly into our famous Total SF Lightning Round because the first question for all of our guests is, where in the Bay Area is your favorite place to get a burrito? Oh, wow. My favorite place to get a burrito is going to be in San Mateo at um, uh, right on the main drag there. B Street. On uh, B Street, like on 3rd and B Street. Yes. Yeah. 
I love the burritos. I go there all the time. I get the shrimp burritos, and I'm trying to remember the name right now, but there's a regular, it's like maybe five shops just like that, but it's one there, one burrito, and uh, oh my goodness, uh, L, no, oh man, see, not, I'm, <laughs> this happens to everybody. It they happens. They say but, where it is, but they don't know the name. Yeah, I, I, I know where to go. And every time I go there, I go get a burrito from them. I, I'm, I love I'm burrito. down with you. B Street was where I had my very first burrito. And La yeah. Tapatia in South San Francisco is my favorite. Um, I, ah. I'd rather go there than anywhere in the city, which is also a crime, apparently. But, but this one's a regular staple in, in on B Street. So it's, it's there. It's big. They expand it a little bit. And uh, you go in, there's a whole glass wall there, and you order. And then they have other awards they've won. Come on, help me out here. I don't know. I have no idea. Hold we'll, right. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. Where in the Bay Area is your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Oh, well, I don't really drink that much. Oh. So that would be kind of a, I mean, I, I, if I have a drink, it's going to be at home. But if I were to go for a stiff drink, uh, I would have to go to the same place I get my prime rib from, House of Prime Rib. Yeah. What is your favorite movie filmed in the Bay Area? Oh, Dirty Harry is one of my favorite. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, old school Dirty Harry. Uh, well, you have something in common with Quentin Cop, then, who was a recent guest on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, he also picked Dirty Harry. <laughs> I, you know, I learned about the dummy in the car, I think, from Dirty Harry. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I thought how they had the dummy in the car that was parked on one of the hills to keep speeders down back mm-hmm. in the day. I think. I could be wrong. But I learned about the cable cars. I learned everything from that. So Okay, so cool. back to the burrito. We have Pancho Villa, Taqueria, La Cumbre. But I think it might be um, Taqueria El Nayarita. Nope. Because Pancho they have Villa. the seafood, I know. Pancho Villa. Well, I think it's Pancho Villa. Pancho Villa sounds good. They're all good. I wonder if they're related to the Pancho Villa in San Francisco, because that's the Mayor Breed's favorite place. Mm, it could be, because I said they have a couple of shops, so. Yeah. Okay. What was your first concert? My first concert was actually in Redwood City when I lived in Salinas. And I went to see Luther Vandross at the oh, nice. Circle Circle Star Theater. Oh, Peter's Circle a Star. huge fan. Circle Star frequently comes up on this podcast, and I, always, <laughs> I used to love that place, man. I always tell Heather it went in circles. The comedians it loved it because the comedians would riff on going in a circle, and then like Luther Vandross and Al Green hated it because it made a little bit of noise when it went around. It was like the Bart tracks. Yeah, they go through the tunnel. The <laughs> little little bit of a screech. So. But I liked um, Kumo D went there once too and performed. Nice. And I got confused with being him one day, and they actually gave me a free bottle of champagne at a liquor store nearby. This was many, <laughs> many, many years ago. I say, like, how you like me now? <laughs> what was the last book you read? The last book I read, believe it or not, was Fast Food Nation. Um, uh-huh. I read up on, and that's the one I read from beginning to end, because it teaches me about different foods and how some foods are not what you think they are. Yeah. What's the worst behavior you've ever seen in public? The worst behavior I've ever, worst behavior I've ever seen is the problem that you have right now is people urinating and defecating in public. Yeah. That is, I've, you know, that is something I didn't even see back East. Wow. And does your job ever make you self-conscious? Like you're really watching out for all of your behavior in public because you don't want somebody to, to catch you? I've learned that people are trying to videotape me all the time. And you'll see them <laughs> doing little side records to see if I do something wrong. And I'm like, do you want me to fall on the floor and start behaving badly? Will that help you with your video right now? And they go, I didn't know you were watching me record. I go, bro, I record for a living. I see everything going on around me. What's the most common thing you hear from fans on the street? 
They miss me and they wish I was back in the Bay. But what I hear the most is they wish I was back at Cron 4 and I tell them that I think that ship has sailed. If you became a San Francisco supervisor, what is the first piece of legislation that you would introduce? Wow. Well, I would look at everything, first of all, because I think everything needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. I think my first piece would be to not spend $20,000 on a trash can <laughs> and, and look for ways to use that money for something more productive. Okay. Uh, last question. What is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? I always try to squeeze in being nice to someone. No matter how bad your day is, try to be nice. Try to help somebody. Try to be polite. That's important every single day because, you know, life is too short to be an old, you know, to stick in the mud. And, yeah. you know, you can't take everything personally. you got to laugh. Every day you need to laugh about something. Well, thank you for laughing with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod.